We're still in our subject matter. Are we aware this morning we're going to answer the question how God speaks to us? Or I should say we're going to begin to answer that question. Just as a point of reflection last week, we began to answer the question, Lord, is that you speaking to us? Or are we aware when God is speaking to us? And we looked at three different individuals in Scripture. We looked at Jacob at a time in his life where he was away from God, and in that season he came to know God. And God introduced himself to Jacob, and Jacob surrendered his life to do the will of God. And so in the account in Genesis chapter 28 where the Lord comes to Jacob, Jacob responds with this statement, God is in this place, and I did not know it. God is in this place, and I did not know it. Once he became aware of it, he was awakened, and in his awakening moments, he became willing and obedient and experienced the blessing of God. Then we looked at Israel's first prophet. We looked at Samuel, and he was dedicated as a very young child to the priest Eli, to be brought up around the things of the Lord. And even though he was brought up around the things of the Lord, he had never encountered the Lord personally until one day God began to call him by name. At first he was confused and he wouldn't ask the priest. He wouldn't ask Levi, is that you calling me? After the third time of asking that question in the night season when he continued to be aroused, Eli said, it's not me. I believe the Lord's trying to talk to you, Samuel. So the next time, if he talks to you, you just say, here am I, your servant hears. Samuel was unaware that God was talking to him until he received further instruction. Upon responding to this instruction, he began to hear the voice of the Lord. That's paramount for a prophet because a prophet's responsibility is to hear from God and communicate that message to his people. But at first, he wasn't aware that God was talking to him. And yet through the course of his life and his ministry to the people of Israel, he was used mightily as a mouthpiece of God. Then we looked at Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. And on the road to Damascus, he encountered God. And he asked this question, Lord, who are you? That's an interesting question for a Pharisee of the Pharisees to ask. For a man who should know God or about God or be acquainted with the ways of God, yet he was unaware of all of that. And in that moment, Jesus introduced himself unto Saul. And he said, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And he told him. You know, it's me, it's me that you're persecuting. And then he said, what do you want me to do? He said, go into the city and it will be told unto you what you should do. And then he was led by those who were traveling with him into the city and he received further instruction. All three of these individuals were used mightily of the Lord. Jacob, who became Israel, and and uh, Samuel, who became the first prophet of the nation of Israel, and Saul, who became Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, at first didn't recognize God talking to them. 
This is where I want to pick up in today's subject matter. Can we develop a more sensitive and discerning heart to understand when God is talking to us and respond with obedience quicker? I think the answer is yes. There's always a learning curve in hearing from the Lord or learning about the things of God. So God deals with us where we're at. And he works with us where we're at. He is not unaware of our struggles and our battles in wondering, is that him? Is it just me? Is it the circumstances? Is it my imagination? Is it the enemy trying to deceive me? Is it other people trying to manipulate me? Where in the middle of all of these questions can I have confidence that, no, that's him. And I recognize him and he's speaking unto me. And I hope that this subject matter encourages you. As I said, we can't address it just in one session. So it's going to take a few getting togethers to deal with it. So let's talk about being aware, first of all. When we're aware, we begin to know and understand that something is happening or something exists. This could be situational, it could be outward, it could be inward, it could be seen, it could be unseen. And why is this such an important truth is because we all have, and would you say this with me, blind spots. We all don't see everything the way that we should see it. Other people help us with these blind spots. And God himself is one of those who wants to help us. Scripture says the enemy... Or the God of this world system is blinding the minds of the people lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine through. So we know who's behind the darkness or the blindness. But we also are aware that when the light of God shines, so does understanding. When light comes, knowledge comes. When knowledge comes, understanding comes. With understanding comes clarity of what we should do. And if you've ever been in a season where you're like, what should I do? Which step should I take? What decision should I make? Then you can rest assured that if you'll cry out to God, he'll bring the light. In your moment of not knowing what to do, where to go, or how to do it, you have a safe guide. You have someone that you can call upon and he will come. Jeremiah said, if you call upon him, he will show you great and mighty things that you know not. All of us have been in that category where we have said, I do not know what to do. I do not know what to do. But then we need to say, but God, you do. Would you show me which way to go? And would you posture yourself once you say that in a way that you could hear from him? You could hear from him. So in studying how God speaks to mankind, the Bible and prayer are fundamentally accepted as the foundation of this truth. Everything is filtered through the word of God. And if it doesn't meet scriptural criteria, then we're not going to adhere to it. There may not be a specific example of what you need in the Bible, but there are biblical truths and principles that apply to every season and scenario of life. Every scenario of life. Here's an example. When I came into the season in my life where I began to recognize, hey, it's not good that Doug is alone. I would like to get married. Now, this took a few years. 
I was 26 before the light bulb went off in my heart in that way. And I was a happy, single 26-year-old guy. Had a lot of friends. I went and did a lot of fun things with a lot of different people groups. But when I began to recognize something stirring within me that God wanted to transition me to the next season of my life, I began to say, well, what? I've got to do something to get ready because I know what it's like to be single. I do not know what it's like to be married. That was one of the things that I shared last week that sort of brought me out of my small group at the church that I was in that was sort of single and within this age frame. And I started hanging out with the 40 to 60 year old married couples because I had recognized a desire within me. And through that, Connection with those married couples, I began to understand and see what a marriage, a Christ-centered marriage, a biblical marriage could actually become. And that encouraged me because I grew up in a home where there was a lot of brokenness and divorce was something that happened quite often. And I knew that that wasn't what I wanted for my life. And in order to sort of protect myself from going down that path, I had to have understanding and knowledge. And so I had to have truth, I had to have light. So I hung out with people that had some light and truth and they helped me. And from that, I searched the scriptures diligently and I found no instruction as to this. Doug will marry Charlene in October of 1991. And unto this marriage, God will add a son. There, well, it wasn't there. I'd read that about other people. Read that about, you know, Abraham and, and, and Isaac and Jacob, how they found their wives. But this is what I did find in Scripture. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains the favor of the Lord. I heard from God. It was my responsibility to go find a wife. So I started looking. And one day, roaming across the Rama campus was Charlene in this beautiful green dress on her way to choir practice. She was running. Because at Rhema, you run. It's part of the criteria. If you're going to be a Ramanite, you got to run. So we run for the Lord and we run to class because we're always running. But she was running because she was late. I was driving one of the uh, ministry vehicles, a little gator around campus, and swoop in and said, hey, you look like you need a little help getting to choir practice. You know, I didn't know that she needed to go to choir practice. She needed help. I gave her a ride, dropped her off. Later on, I found, because I was looking now, because he who finds a wife, so it was up to me to look, we had a mutual friend. So I talked Gary into introducing me to Charlene. And he agreed. Little did I know Gary wanted to meet Charlene, but he didn't ask me to introduce her. I asked him. So he introduced me. And from there, she was somewhat reluctant, but she did give me her phone number. I called her a week later. She said, if you would have been one day later than a week, I would have given up on you. I thought, what kind of guy asks for a phone number, then makes a girl wait a week? I was happy being single. I didn't know anything about hanging out with girls. Up until I was 21, I loved playing Stratomatic, which is a a guy's 
like little kids' baseball game. We roll dice and pull cards out, and, you know, we didn't have all of the technology today, so we're getting together and gaming and doing things like that differently than the way kids game today, but sort of the same way. We, it was my social group. God speaks to us. God is speaking to us. Sometimes we don't know it's him till afterwards. But my hope and prayer is that we start recognizing it more on the front side. The first time that he speaks to us, it's because he's probably been speaking and we haven't been listening. So he does something so that it can be, you know, so clearly understood that it's him. And I think that's one of the ways that Jacob and Samuel and Saul encountered God is that God has a way of getting our attention if we're not paying attention. Do you believe that? If we're not paying attention, God, because of his commitment to us and his love for us, does talk to us. For Jacob, he didn't listen to Abraham or Isaac, so God talked to him. Parents, take heart. Sometimes your kids... Have a hard time hearing from you. Don't worry. There's nowhere they can run from God. You just keep praying for them. God knows how to talk to them. I mean, if you're young and things are new to you, God will bring someone into your life to help you, like a Samuel. And you may have questions. You know, I, I was thinking the other day, I kept like, could that be God? And someone who you trust and someone who's placed in your life to encourage you in the things of the Lord say, you know, if that ever happens again, why don't you just slow down and say, hey, God, is that you? You could be like Saul and zealous and even religious and and you're standing up for what you believe is right and you could be 100% wrong and God comes and it upends your apple cart and you all of a sudden say, well, Lord, who are you? Because I thought I knew who you were, and I thought I was doing your will, but maybe I'm not. And God is gracious. So when God wants to get your attention, don't worry, he'll get your attention. But what if you want to get God's attention? See, I don't want to just put it all on him, because if I do that, some of you will say, well, you know, in the sweet by and by, God will get in touch with me. And yet, we're called to walk with God. That means we have a part to play in this. What if, what if you want to hear from God? What if you want to develop discernment? Well, there's something that we can do to help us. So, in order to recognize how God speaks to us, we must first address and remove any improper thinking or unrealistic expectations that are not taught in the Bible. We have to undo some things in order to do them the right way. And that, within itself, is quite a learning curve. This... Discipline will prevent us from being deceived and from being disappointed. So let me give you an example there. You guys ready? So there's two ditches to avoid in my understanding, and we have to understand what a ditch is. A ditch is anything in our thinking or anything in our expectations on how God speaks. We have to remember the middle of the road is what God wants us to walk. So let me give you an example of the two ditches, the two extremes. 
that I think we have to address in our thinking if we're really going to clearly hear from God. Because how many of you, this is so important. Let me back up one step. How many of you have thought God has said something to you and a year or two years later you're doubting it? I thought God said that. I thought I heard from God. I thought that was God. Now, you have to prove that out as well as I have to prove that out. I get no pastoral perks in hearing from God. The way I hear from God is the way you hear from God. Here's another caveat. I love to pray for people, but I love to teach people how to pray. I love to walk with God, but I love to help other people learn how to walk with God. And the role and the responsibility of a pastor is to equip you so that you're, you believe God hears your prayers just as much as he hears Billy Graham's prayers. And that you can walk with God just as much as Moses walked with God. That you have that kind of confidence. Because if any human being becomes your mediator to God, you haven't understood Jesus is your mediator to God. Good ministry always points us to Jesus and Jesus always takes us to the Father. And the Holy Spirit is the agent that gets people to Jesus and gets people to the Father. So any spirit-led minister is going to help someone know something about Jesus that will help them to connect with Jesus. Jesus will introduce you to the Father and that completes the circle. Here are the two ditches that I've experienced and that I have seen and tried to help other people get out of the ditch when it comes to hearing from God. Here's one ditch. It's spiritual pride, and it shows up in this way. We're so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. I mean, we're so aware of, did you feel that? Did you did you hear that? Did you feel that? Uh, Could you sense that? And it's, it's, it's so spiritual that only a few, only a few can identify with it. And those few I don't even know if I want to identify with. Because if God loves us all and is, and God cares about us all, then, I mean, it has to be more inclusive than exclusive. It, it has to include us. We have to be a part of that. So, If you've ever heard the phrase, you know, God doesn't want us to be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good, because that'll get us into the ditch. And we always are seeing or hearing or experiencing something that, you know, sort of puts us at this elevated stage of spirituality that no one else can relate to. Because in those moments, people wonder, well, gosh, I guess I don't hear from God at all. I guess God never speaks to me because I don't have those kind of experiences and out-of-body experience, an audible voice, uh, an open heaven. I've never had any of those. Those things are all real, and we're going to talk about them in the upcoming days. But that's God sovereignly doing something because there is a need for him to do it. But day in and day out, those aren't happening, or that's not something that is typical. If you have that expectation, then you'll constantly be squinting, you know, like, Is that God? And you'll squint so hard, you'll like see dots and you're like, I think I see God. I think I see God. No, you see dots because you're squinting so hard. Maybe if I pray longer, maybe if I pray louder, 
Then we're in the category of what people do through works or their own effort or energy of the flesh to try to get God to move. That's not resting or, or trusting or abiding in the Lord. You know, maybe if I scream or shout or stomp my foot or, or do something, then, then God will hear and as if he's, you know, unable to hear. We, we know that's not true, but we try to help him to hear and we try to position ourselves to hear what he's saying sometimes. So the middle of the road is to be heavenly minded and earthly good. That's how you get out of that is God. I, the reason I want to hear is because I want to do some good while I'm here on the earth. I, I want to help. I want to serve. I want to bless. I want to encourage. It's not, it's not, you're not allowing pride to be the reason that you hear from God. It's because you want to serve other people. You want to help other people. Here's that same ditch. We long for the spectacular and we're looking for the spectacular. And many times in that we miss the supernatural. That was a phrase that the president of the Bible school where I attended would use many times. Many times in people's desire to hear from God, they're looking or longing for the spectacular and they're missing out on the supernatural. That God speaks through a still small voice in the inward man. And in order for us to hear a still small voice, we have to silent the noise of the flesh and our own desires or our own preconceived ideas in our mind of what we would like God to do the way we would like him to do it. We have to be still. And what's the promise? You'll know that I'm God. You have to and I have to be still. In order. But that's that ditch. And, and how do we get out of that mindset, which is totally sense-ruled? We want to see something. We want to feel something. We want to hear something instead of just knowing something. You can know something down in here in your spirit and never it never register in your audible hearing or your smelling or your touching or your tasting. But down here, you know. Down here in your knower, that's what I like to call our spirit. My spirit knows things that my head doesn't know. My spirit is alive unto God. My spirit's connected to God. My spirit knows things that my flesh is completely unaware of. So if we want to get out of that ditch of, you know, being spiritually minded, no earthly good, no fruit in our life, no care or compassion for anybody else, no interest in helping humanity with the things we've learned, and move away from the mindset or the attitude that, you know, we want, oh God, if you would just give me a sign and a, and a wonder, give me three green lights, and I'll know it's you, or do this, and, and, and we're looking for something spectacular. The, the city isn't going to align itself to where you get three green lights any more than I do because they know some of us would just keep going as fast as we could and, you know, they want to slow us down so they space the red and the green lights accordingly to try to protect us lawbreakers from breaking the law. But if if you're looking and always asking God to do something along those lines, once in a blue moon, he might accommodate because of our maturity level 
But after he does something one time in such a dramatic way, he expects us to trust him and not test him along those lines again. Okay? In our innocence or in our maturity, we may ask God to do something and he may be gracious to do it. But that may not be the primary way he's speaking to us. And if we believe that he is, we could have unrealistic expectations because of improper thinking and it would keep us in a deceived place and it would keep us disappointed. Because this is what I know. Since God, right, is faithful, he is going to do things faithfully when he speaks to us. It's going to be consistent. Also know if you ask and I ask, for outward manifestations or for spectacular things all the time, then the devil is a God of this world system and he can accommodate. He can move in the realm of the senses. He can, he can appeal to the natural logical mind, but that doesn't mean that it's God. You know, sometimes when the Lord says for us to do something that makes no sense to us, have you discovered that about the Lord? And there's a, a promise for that in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah said that God's ways are higher than our ways and God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts, just like the heaven is higher than the earth. His thoughts and his ways are way above ours. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't reveal or make known unto his thoughts. We just have to figure out the way that he does it. Let me say that last part again. We have to figure out the way he does it. We can't expect him to just do things our way. God, if you would do this for me, if you would speak to me in this way, if you would reveal yourself into me in this way, then I would know it was you. It's our responsibility as his children to learn his ways. And when we learn his ways, that helps us. God is patient with all of us. So God knows where we're all at. God works with us where we're at. And God is not angry with where we're at. So wherever we are in this walk with him of trusting him and relying on him, he's okay with where you are. He doesn't love you more because you seek him more. He isn't going to pour out greater blessings on somebody else than he's willing to pour out on you. No, we're all blessed with all spiritual blessings. He loves all of his kids the same. So don't find yourself getting into this religious trap of trying to prove something to God or earn something from God in order to hear from him. Just learn how he speaks and be at home with it. I love Kim's testimony that sometimes God speaks in silence. He's already said something to us. He just wants us to trust him and, and let, it, let it work out. No, 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 I need to hear something right now. What? Part of us wants to hear something right now. The flesh. Human reasoning. Some God, but patient. God is patient and we have to be patient with him. I can see I'm just going to get through this next point. Are you guys ready? Because I only covered one side of the ditch. Here's the other side of the ditch when it comes to our thinking. Because I, I think unless we uproot some of this improper thinking... And unrealistic expectations, we will, we will fall prey to deception and disappointment. And we'll think, gosh, we're inferior. I guess, I guess God doesn't talk to me. I guess God has just left it up to me to figure out. And that, that is not the case. 
I want to remind you why. The Lord is our shepherd. He goes ahead of his sheep and he calls them by name. They recognize his voice and the voice of a stranger they don't follow. And that's John 10, 27. Here's the other ditch. So, the enemy doesn't want us walking down the middle of the road. He wants to push us in the ditch. He wants us to be spiritually proud or sense-ruled. He wants us to look pious and religious and, and sound, you know, righteous. But that's not really pleasing to the Lord. It's a humble and contrite heart that's pleasing to the Lord. He wants it to sound spectacular. He, he wants it to sound spectacular. Can I give you another example of spectacular that I just think is just, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but this individual back, I would say in the late nineties, early two thousands was a very well-known minister. And he would talk about having encounters with God, visitations from God. And he would talk about for his birthday, on his birthday, on his birthday, that the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, stood at the edge of his bed and sang happy birthday to him. Now that sounds spectacular, doesn't it? It also sounds a little suspicious. But there are people that buy his books, that follow him on ministry, that think he's the latest and the greatest. And, and, and everyone else in the audience, if you've ever heard someone say something that spectacular, think, gosh, God must not know my birthday. <laughs> I guess it's not a very happy birthday. The Trinity didn't show up at my house. <laughs> and I waited in bed. And there's just as many erroneous types of, of thinking and it creates unrealistic expectations. Gentlemen and, and, and people that, that uh, prey on God's people, the good nature and the love of God's people to receive offerings in improper ways because they give some spectacular and phenomenal promise that's not even found in the Bible. Remember everything foundationally and fundamentally in this study has to be filtered and understood that the Bible is authoritative. And if it's not in the Bible in principle or in truth, then we're not going to adhere to it. We're not just going to go down that road. We're not going to be gullible. We're, we're going to be wiser than that. If you give, you know, $28.50, then God's going to multiply. Everybody gets to give $28.50. 700 people give $777. That's manipulation. Scripture says that every man should purpose as to give as in their own heart as God has prospered them. And God has included all of us in the category of tithes for one reason. It's equal. God is an equal opportunist. And he says 10% belongs to me and watch what I'll do with the 90 and so 10% is 10%. He's not asking for a specific amount. That's my point. God doesn't say if you'll give $700.77 on the seventh day of the seventh month of the seventh year of our Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be blessed. You can't. That's foolishness. But people that are looking for the spectacular love that. 
longing for the spectacular love that you can't find Jesus saying anything along those lines. Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you for with the measure, the amount that you want to give, it'll be measured back to you. He never put an amount on it. As a matter of fact, to show you how compassionate and caring Jesus is and to give you an understanding of his awareness of where everybody is financially, the woman with two mites gave more than anybody. Because God can see percentages. And he's like, she gave it, she gave like over the top. And here we are when it comes to offering time sometimes. And I'm thankful this church isn't like that, but I could say this about others. And they squeeze their dollar bill so hard that Abraham, I mean, George Washington cries. I mean, tears start coming down out of us. I didn't give up this dollar for God. What did he give you all week? The ability to work. And and with the increase, he says, just give me a portion of it. It happens systematically. If you do that consistently, you'll have so much seed in the ground that God has multiple places to bless you from. And that is a biblical truth. You know, if you give, it will be given unto you. I love that. So just keep giving. But don't get pulled into this trap. Oh, I'm tempted to talk about Janice Lamley, Charlene. But I'd cry. I would cry. I can't. I may do it another time. But she's a widow that got hoodwinked over $300,000 by a slick-talking preacher. He came and talked to me, and I started crying. I can't, I can't even talk. I'm not going to talk about it. And I went and got our pastor, and I said, you need to hear this. And we felt so bad. We felt so bad because we felt like we failed her in caring for her as pastors. I felt like I failed her. So the enemy, boy, he loves the spectacular. He'll put on a show. He even appears as an angel of light. He's so he's so devilish. Here's the other ditch. It's easy to identify. Okay. That one took a little more time. I feel more people are in that category than the next. The other ditch is people that are always aware of what the devil is doing and wonder what God is doing. They think about it. And they'll tell you, oh, I, I just know what the devil, I tell you, pray for me, the devil's after me. They, they know the devil's after them, but they're unaware that God is pursuing them also. Didn't it say, surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? So one ditch is people given over to spiritual pride and senses. The other ditch is people given over to fear of the enemy that creates confusion and doubt and a lack of peace of whether God is talking to them at all. So the way that I wrote it down is that They're more aware of the activity of darkness. And because of this, they're blind to the light that God is trying to give them. 
They say they can't hear from God because they're so evil and so concerned about all the things the devil is doing. So how do we get out of that ditch? We need to be aware of the light so that we can address the darkness. We need to be students, sons and daughters that know that God is speaking how he speaks and then begin to respond accordingly. Can I get an amen? Amen. So I put in three things in your notes. We're not going to get to them, but creation, conscience, and Christ. And these things are fundamental and foundational. And there's really, over the next of the several weeks, I feel like we laid a foundation this morning, there are like dozens of other ways that God communicates and speaks to us. And here's what the cool thing is going forward, is when I begin to identify them and talk about them from examples in the Bible, you're going to be like, oh, that was God. I did hear from God. He did speak to me. That was him. And you're going to be overjoyed and overwhelmed. And then the next time he speaks to you, you're going to be like, yes, I'm your servant, Lord, speak to me. He's been talking, he's been communicating, he's been speaking a lot more than we've been aware of. So that's why I ask, are you aware? Are you aware? Am I aware when God is speaking to us, how God speaks to us? And the joy is you're going to discover he's been talking to me. He knows me. He loves me. He knows my birthday. He doesn't have to show up in some fictitious mind as the Trinity at the end of my bed to sing happy birthday to me. That's pretty spectacular, isn't it, if that ever happened? And the reason that I question sometimes the motive when people make those kind of testimonies or make those kind of claims, it's all about them. When God is talking in our heart, in our mind, it becomes all about him. And that is what the joy of walking with God is all about. He walks with me and he talks with me. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.